Turn your Bibles with me this morning to 2 Kings, or 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings, no, 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, if you have a sermon study guide, follow along with me. In 2 Kings chapter 2, we have two men, one older, one younger. Two men, their names are very, very similar. The prophet Elijah, Elijah, and his young disciple, who he mentored, was the prophet Elisha. Don't get them confused. Elijah, Elisha. Upon the prophet Elijah, he wore an overcoat or like a shawl. It was called the mantle, the prophet's mantle. This prophet Elijah, as he wore this mantle, he called down fire out of heaven, and fire came. He called down rain out of heaven in prayer, and it rained after not raining for three years. Prophet Elijah was a man of power, power in the Spirit. And Elisha, his young disciple, came to him one day and said, O prophet Elijah, I want what you have. Elijah said, tell me, tell me what your greatest wish is, your greatest desire. Elisha said, I want a double portion of the Spirit, a double portion of the anointing that is upon you. Elijah, I want it in my life. Elijah said, if you are with me to the very end, you will have your prayer request answered. As they traveled together, they came to the River Jordan. I was just there a few months ago. They came to the River Jordan, and the prophet Elijah took off his mantle, and he swung it and smote the waters, and the waters split, the Bible says, and the two men walked across on dry ground. As they walked on the other side of the River Jordan, suddenly a fiery chariot swooped down from heaven. A chariot of fire, a chariot of fiery angels, and separated the two men, separated Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah, the older prophet of God, was taken up into heaven, raptured into heaven, never experiencing death, raptured into heaven. He went up into heaven in a whirlwind. And as Elisha stood there staring up into heaven, he saw the mantle of Elijah floating down from the heavenlies. You never know what will happen in a lakeside service. And Elisha, the young man, the young prophet that represented a young generation, he took up the mantle of Elijah, the older generation. He took up the mantle and he came to the river Jordan and he cried out, Where is the Lord God 
of Elijah. Let's read it together in 2 Kings. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Elisha crossed over. It was a miracle. A younger generation of young adults and young people are asking today, this new generation is asking, where is the Lord? Where is the God of Elijah? They are asking, where's the power? Where are the miracles we heard our grandparents talk about in church? Where are the healings? Where is the revival? And we're asking them, will you take up the mantle? Will you take up the mantle? There is no mantle that has been more neglected in today's church than the mantle of prayer and especially the mantle of Pentecost. And the question resounds, will you take up the mantle of prayer? Will you take up the mantle of Pentecost? That's why we're going out today and before we ever put a shovel in the ground, we want to birth the phase four vision in prayer. It is a God-ordained vision. It is a vision of ministry, people reaching people for the glory of God. And there is no other motivation. So this morning, we are going to do what we have done for the last five Sundays. This morning... We're going to speak to our mountains by faith. We're going to recall our purpose as a church. This church is a miracle. I want you to know that. This church is a miracle. Do you know that we built the first phase of this? We bought this property. We built the sanctuary that you're sitting in right now when Jimmy Swaggart fell, when PTL fell. When a local pastor in Utica here ran off with the building fund money. And everybody was looking at me. And we prayed. And God was faithful. And you stand on the shoulders of people who sacrificed. Who saw you. Who saw me. And years ahead, they were found faithful. This church was not birthed by any millionaires. It's birthed in prayer and it's birthed in Pentecost. Would you stand now and let's speak to our mountains by faith. Don't let me read alone. I want you to confess your faith right now in the power of prayer. I want you to confess your, your faith in the power of Pentecost. Read with me right now our faith proclamation of prayer in Pentecost. We, the Lakeside family, recognize we are called by God to be a people of purpose. Our holy purpose is not the entertainment business, but to transact the business of eternity. We, His church, are not to be a playhouse, but His house, a powerhouse, 
speaking to our mountains through the power of prayer and Pentecost. We choose to speak to our mountains in prayer because our Lord constantly prayed. We will pray because it is our sick world's only hope. We will pray because God has promised to answer our prayers. His word declares, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Prayer has wrought the miraculous healed sick bodies, restored marriages, saved sick souls, revived churches, and changed the destiny of nations. Lakeside will pray because prayer works. Further, we recognize in our fight of faith, we are confronted by strongholds of darkness, giants in the land, the very forces of hell. Yet our Lord has not left us defenseless. He has anointed us with the power of Pentecost, the baptism in His Holy Spirit. But ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Therefore, whether our mountains be in our homes, our church, our phase four vision, or our world, we are determined to speak to them in the power of the Holy Spirit. For it's not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Father, we stand before you as a holy remnant, still believing and still receiving, Lord, the power of prayer and Pentecost. Anoint this word today. Ignite it in the hearts of your people on this, the 34th anniversary of the birthing of this church. Help us to not depart from the mantle that has been passed down to us. Help us to take up the mantle in a new generation. And all God's people in agreement would say, Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Fill in the first blank with me if you would this morning. The church, the church, the church was birthed in the power of prayer and Pentecost before ever sending his disciples to proclaim the gospel to the world Jesus commanded his disciples to wait to wait for what to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit the promise of the Father in their lives Acts chapter 1 records this he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now then in verse 14 did they obey Jesus's command verse 14 reports these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and the Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. I want you to note, I want you to note three powerful things here in this scripture passage. I want you to note number one, number one, it's not God's will for you and I to be powerless or defenseless. Number two, these disciples were not surprised by Pentecost. That's why they went to prayer. As they waited for the promise of the Father, they didn't sit back and just twiddle their thumbs. As they waited for the promise of the Father, they prayed with the prayer of faith. 
They knew what God had promised. They knew what their Lord had commanded. They knew what was about to happen, but they prayed it in. You have to pray in the miracles of God. You have to pray in the promises of God. You need to activate God's precious promises through the prayer of faith. The prayer. Of, I want to teach you a specific way of praying. It's called the prayer of faith. This morning, will you take up the mantle called the prayer of faith? What does it mean to pray the prayer of faith? Prayers of faith, write it down, are anchored in the promises and the will of God. The reason many are not receiving answers in prayer is because their prayers are so saturated by unbelief and by doubt. Oh God, if it's possible, please. Oh God, if you want to, please. Oh God, if it's your will, please. I never read in the Bible anywhere, anywhere, where it's God's will for sickness. God's will for poverty. God's will for defeat. Show me. You won't find it anywhere within Scripture. No, God wants to bless God wants to strengthen. God wants to move the mountains in the name of Jesus. We're called by God to pray and to pray with an attitude of expectation that somehow, someway, God's going to show up. God's going to move the mountains. Your part is to believe. Your part is to pray. Then place it in God's hands and let God be God. Do I pray for healing because everybody I lay hands on is healed? No. I pray for healing because I'm commanded to by God. And I want to be obedient. And I move in faith. Then I leave that matter in the hands of a sovereign God. Hallelujah. Don't come to me asking, is it God's will for healing? Is it God's will for prosperity? Or it's always God's will. Pray in God's will in the name of Jesus. One day, a man came to Jesus and said, Lord, my son is demon-possessed. If you can do anything, please help us. Jesus said there in Matthew 17, Jesus said, if I can, all things are possible to them that believe. Do you hear what Jesus said here? Believe. Only prayers that are saturated with, with, with real faith are prayers of power. The prayer of faith. We hear about it in James chapter 5. And the prayer of faith will what? Save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. Oh, are you questioning whether God wants to move your mountains? Then confess and declare the promises of God. They're not out until you confess them. They're not out of your spirit until you openly speak them in prayer when you speak when you confess when you name and claim you're speaking to the heavenlies to the very forces of hell your faith some of you need to perform a doubtectomy in your spirit and have an unshakable god confidence <laughs> that my lord is the same yesterday today and forever he's still in the mountain moving business hallelujah 
Banish any thought of defeat and pray the prayer of faith in the name of Jesus. Mark it down for me. Prayers of faith are prayers of total trust. Utter dependency in God. Often I'm, I, I'm, I'm posed with this, Pastor, I don't know if I have enough faith for a miracle. I don't know if I have any faith at all. You can't operate in this world without faith. Whether you're a saint or a sinner, you have faith. Whether you are a saint or a sinner, you have faith. A lot, a lot of you, when you leave the parking lot uh, today, you're going to drive through a green light. What's so strange about that, preacher? Well, you're going to trust people to stop at the opposing red light so you can go through the green light. You're going to trust people you've never, ever met. Or do you get out of your car and interview every one of them? How many of you are going to go to a restaurant right after today? You're going to go to a restaurant. Do you send your food out to a laboratory to have it tested before you'll ever partake of it? No. You trust somebody you've never seen, never interviewed. You'll probably never meet them to fix and prepare your food. And you go ahead and eat it by faith. How many of you, when you go on a, on a plane to travel somewhere, you say, whoa, wait, wait a minute. I would really like to sit down with the pilot first. I have a series of questions that I want to pose to him or her. No. You trust somebody behind a cockpit door that you'll probably never, ever meet or know. And that person holds your life in their hands because you have faith. 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 Or how about how many of you, how many of you have had a procedure recently where you were put out by anesthesia and your life was held in the hands of a surgeon or an anesthesiologist and you totally trusted them. My last procedure I was put out was what old people have to go through. You know, one of those colon uh, <laughs> oscopy. Oh, man. Man. And they wheeled me in there. They had already given me the anesthesia and uh, being German and, uh, and uh, thinking that I'm a doctor too, I was giving instructions to the doctor. I was telling him what he, you know, how do you need to do it, and you know, what do you need to look for, and he's just standing there, just smiling away. Next thing I know, they're wheeling me out the doorway, right after I'm done talking with the doctor. And I grabbed the door panels, and I said, wait, what do you do? I had to go through all this stuff and drinking this stuff to go through this procedure and you're canceling it. They all started laughing. Now I'm getting madder. <laughs> Why are you canceling? Finally the male nurse chuckled and said, we gave you an anesthesia that affects your short-term memory. The procedure just went fine. You're all done. <laughs> Trust, faith, confidence. You put your confidence in strangers and people all the time. Why can't you put your faith in God? Why can't you put your faith in the one who spoke all of creation into existence? Who loved you so much he sent his only begotten son to hang upon the cross for you and I. When I think about it, I just want to shout, hallelujah. 
Trust Him. Put your faith in Him. He is the one who will take you through every one of life's storms. Write it down. Prayers of faith are persevering prayers. Jesus in Luke 18, Luke 18 says, Keep praying until the answer comes. Keep praying until the answer comes. Don't worry if you don't receive instant answers. Too many of us have a microwave mentality. How many of you stand in front of the microwave and you're shouting, Hurry up! Hurry up! What's the great American prayer? Lord, give me patience, and I want it right now. Don't worry if you don't receive ready answers to your prayer. They prayed for how many days after Jesus promised the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How many days? Ten days they prayed in the upper room before the answer came. Daniel prayed for 21 days. And after 21 days, the angel Gabriel appeared and said this to Daniel. I believe it's very instructive for us. Daniel, the moment you opened your mouth in prayer, God heard you. But it has taken me 21 days to fight through the demonic forces, to bring the answer to you. If it wasn't for your praying, if it wasn't for the archangel Michael, I would not have fought my way and pierced the darkness to bring the answer to you. Many times the reason your answers do not instantly come, there's a spiritual warfare that the Bible reminds us about repeatedly. That's why the admonition is this, keep praying, keep praying, persist in praying, persevere in praying, don't give up. Be like Jacob who said, I will not let thee go until thee bless me. Hallelujah. It's called praying through. In the old days, we called it praying through. Hold the line. Keep praying through. Amen. Don't get discouraged. Uh, It's the prayer of faith. Write it down. Prayers of faith are prayers that are saturated. They're immersed. They're soaked in expectation. Jesus promised the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say when it would happen, but He promised it. So the disciples were not praying amiss. I want to underscore for you, when the disciples went to prayer in the upper room, they knew what they were praying for. So they prayed prayers of faith, prayers of expectation. They expected the promise of the Spirit. They knew what they were believing for. They didn't know when it would happen. Mark 11, verse 24. The principle is this. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. If you had, if you had your greatest prayer request, answered right now, how would you act? How would you act? (laughs) Buddy, uh, you're going to give me a heart attack. (laughs) How would you act if your greatest prayer request was answered? Jesus is saying, pray in such a way that you're believing that you're already receiving. When I was brought up in elementary school back in the Stone Age, 
We had something. I don't know if they still do it today. We had something called show and tell. My daddy had promised me. He had said, Phil, you've been a good boy, and I'm going to get you a go-kart. A go-kart. My poor elementary classroom, day after day, week after week, for months, at show and tell, I was in front of them saying, I'm going to get a go-kart. Uh, I'm getting a, it's going to be a fast go-kart. Uh, it's going to be a powerful, it's going to be a loud engine go-kart. It's going to be an awesome go -kart. My daddy's getting me a go-kart. And I can imagine all of them sitting back there, you know, day after day, week after. Man, he's been telling us the same thing over and over and over again. My expectation was so high. Why? Because I love my dad. I trust my dad. He's a good dad. He was on the phone with me last night praying the prayer of faith over me as I'm preaching to you this morning. I trust my dad so I could get up and show and tell with confidence and say, I'm getting a go-kart. Hallelujah. And I was all excited. I don't know about the kids in their, in their seats, but man, I was all excited. I'm getting, and I got the go-kart. And it was fast. Being my dad, it was a cheapo go-kart. It had no brakes. <laughs> it took off with me in it, and I just, all I knew to do was go in circles. My dad finally had to tackle it, and the chain ground up his arm so bad. My, my mother got upset with him and said, you're not keeping that go-kart around my children. And he had to sell it that very weekend. So dad got me another go-kart that could only go 12 miles an hour. It looked like a, it was made out of wood, but it, was, it could seat four people, and it looked like an old-fashioned Model T. And I would drive that all around the parsonage and, and the church property. And I had so much fun. And don't you know, I came to show and tell and said, I got my goat cart. I told you I'd get it. I got it. I'm having fun. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How does that relate to your prayer time? How does that relate to your prayer? How does that relate to Mark 11 verse 24? Believe as though you're already receiving. How much time do you spend begging, questioning, pleading in your prayer time? How much time do you spend praising and thanking? Honey, sir, ma'am, let, let, pastor, let, let, let pastor give you some counsel here. If you want to pray the prayer of faith, if you want to see mountains move in prayer, spend more time praising than pleading. Spend more time thanking the Lord than, than, than begging. Uh, spend more time uh, shouting hallelujah. The answer is on its way. Than you do crying, questioning if your father is going to give unto you. Get all excited in prayer. Get excited about your miracle. Taste it. Smell it. Feel it. Touch it. I mean, sense that it's already in your lap. And give God the thanks for it that he's heard you. He's not deaf. 
He's not senile that he's heard you and he's already moving the mountains for the glory of God. And watch the answer come. This is the prayer of faith. This is the prayer of expectation. Watch the victory come. Mark it down if you would. The mantle of Pentecost, an answer to his promise and their prayers of faith. What did God do? God suddenly baptized them in the Holy Spirit. On what special Jewish holiday were they suddenly baptized in the Holy Spirit? Pentecost. Pentecost. Pente being 50 in the Greek language, coming 50 days after Passover. Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and what? Suddenly. That word has special meaning to me. This wasn't part of man's agenda. Man did not orchestrate this one bit. This was God's agenda. This was God's doing. This is a God thing. Suddenly God was stepping in and bringing us suddenly. This is divine visitation. Listen, before we pray for revival in America, let's pray for revival in our churches. Half, half, half of the 386,000 churches in America last year did not, did not report one new convert. How about our own fellowship? Recent reports from the Assemblies of God reveal that the majority, 70 to 80 percent of our membership has never received the promise of the Father, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. God help us. Why? I don't play, put the blame on the pew. I don't put the blame on the parishioners. I put the blame on the preachers and the pastors. We're too worried that we're going to turn people off. We're too worried that we're not going to fill the pews or fill our churches. We're too focused on marketing methods. We're too focused on the machinery of the program. We're too focused on methodology. We need to remember, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by His Spirit, saith the Lord. Oh God, oh God, help us to take up the Pentecostal mantle. Help us to take it up again. Listen, we don't need another workshop, we don't need another seminar, we don't need another how-to methodology or conference. We need another Pentecost. We desperately, we desperately, we desperately need a suddenly where God breaks in. God uh, interrupts the agenda. It's a God thing. I say, bring it on here at Lakeside. Bring it on, Lord. I want to remind you that Lakeside's roots are not Presbyterian. Our roots are Pentecostal and never forget it. As long as I am here, there's going to be room for the Holy Spirit to move. The Holy Spirit to fill. The Holy Spirit to baptize your children and your grandchildren. The Holy Spirit to have preeminence and not the back door of this church. Let's take up the mantle of praise and prayer and Pentecost. Let's expect a suddenly here at Lakeside. Mark it down with God's suddenly there came a sound. 
and a sight. What was the sound on the day of Pentecost? It's found in verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting this is the sound of God breathing life, real life, into His church. When I was in undergraduate school, Bible college, part of our degree program, everybody, everybody, no matter what your major was, you had to take health. And it was mandated for your health class, and a lot of you experienced the same thing, a part of health class, you had to learn CPR. You had to uh, learn mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And they brought us all over one night to where they had these big mannequin rubber dolls. I think they were named Nancy. That we had to practice on. You're, I wasn't a pastor yet, and so standing in line with all those Girls, I said, hey, let's save some time here. <laughs> Stay spiritual here. <laughs> who, wants to, who wants to practice on some rubber plastic dolly thing here? But no, we had to practice on, the, on Nancy. And uh, they would put alcohol on the mouth of it, you know, and make sure everything's hygienic. And you had to uh, practice CPR and then the mouth to mouth and as I breathed in as I breathed in I saw the chest rise and fall God what does he want to do in his church what does God want to do in your life <sighs> to breathe the spirit of life the spirit of creation into you the Bible says he breathed into the lungs of Adam and Adam became a living soul now as he breathes his spirit you become a person of power in Christ Jesus real life Real spiritual power. But more than the wind, we find that there's a sight. Verse 3, verse 3 says, and, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. What do we mean here? There were flames of fire. They could see flames of fire dancing on top of their heads. Think of it. Flames of fire. Why fire? Fire in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, is the symbol of God's presence. You know, we say where there's smoke, there's... In the Bible, where there's fire, there's God. The Bible says our God is a consuming fire. A consuming fire. When God's fire gets loose in your life, what happens? Huh? 
Pride, rebellion gets burned up. Lust gets burned up. Selfishness can't stand before the fire of God. That's why we need the fire of the Holy Spirit in our churches and, and in our individual lives. Uh, God is looking for burned out believers that have allowed sin to be burned out of their lives so that it can be full of His Spirit. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm convinced that if all the sleeping people would wake up, I'm convinced if all the lukewarm folks would fire up, I'm convinced if all the sour pusses would sweeten up and all the discouraged would cheer up and all the distressed would begin looking up and all the estranged would make up and all the gossipers would shut up, then there might come a revival in God's church, God's house, God's time, a suddenly... God breathing upon His people. God's fire upon His people. Praise the Lord. Lastly, at that first Pentecost, God gave not only a suddenly, not only did He give a sound, not only did He give, think of it, think of it, not only did God give a sight of fire, God gave a sign. God gave a sign for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What's the sign? Acts 2.4 And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. They did the speaking. It was their mouth, their tongue, their voice. They did the speaking. But who gave the words that they were speaking? Who gave the words? The Holy Spirit. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, when you're consumed by the fire of God's Holy Spirit, it is not you ordering the words, the vocabulary, but God. Right now as I'm preaching to you a millionth of a second before the words come out of my mouth, those words are being formed in the brain. It's an unreal situation on how God has created us but look out, look out when your mouth gets ahead of your brain. Amen? This never happens, though there's no danger of this in the baptism of the Holy Spirit because the words that you're speaking as you pray in the Spirit, as you praise in the Spirit, as you sing in the Spirit, those words are not formed by your conscious mind. Those words are formed by God the Holy Spirit. It's a supra-conscious event. I can show you documented cases over and over of what happens when deaf mutes, deaf mutes are baptized in the Holy Spirit. What's a deaf mute? Someone that cannot hear and someone who cannot speak. They've never heard a word spoken. They don't know how to speak. Yet when they are baptized in the Holy Spirit, their speech, their prayer, their song of praise is pure. It is fluent. Word for word. It's powerful. Twice in my ministry, twice in my ministry, I've watched this happen. Where people that have had strokes and have lost the ability to speak have no way whatsoever to utter a word yet when the Spirit comes upon them they fluently speak in tongues fluently pray in the Spirit 
One was Fran Bogle's father, Brother Nagy. And the other I'm thinking of, Rachel, was your mother, Sister Morabito, who lost the ability to speak, but when the Spirit of God would come upon her, it would just flow. Wow! Supra-conscious. You and I want to control. I am controlling the words that I'm speaking to you right now. That's what the conscious mind does. It controls. The ultimate affirmation of the Lordship of Jesus Christ is when you yield your body, you yield your person to heed the third person of the Trinity and you say, oh fire of the Spirit, consume me. And you give this tongue, which is known as the most unruly member of your body, you give it over unto Jesus Christ and then He sends the fire of His Spirit to speak through you. And you become a vessel a power, a vessel of praying in the Spirit, a vessel of glory unto God. Amen. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you move. Think of it. You move into what God has ordained for your life. Don't get confused with salvation. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a saving experience. It's an empowering experience. This is what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. Jesus said, but ye shall receive power. The Greek word is dunamis. We get our word dynamite from it. Power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Power for what? Power for perfect praying. Some of us, we get tired in prayer. Some of us, we don't know what to say next after five minutes of prayer. God has given us a prayer help. Praying in the language of the Spirit. With the words of the Spirit. Words of power. Words of life. Not long ago in one of our Assembly of God churches in Oregon, a marvelous miracle took place. One of the young uh, servicemen there had married a Japanese bride. He was a Christian. She was a Buddhist. She did not speak a word a word of English. Only very, very broken. They went to the altar to pray at the end of the service. She came with him. He was praying to Jesus. She was praying to Buddha. And guess what God did? God put an ordinary, everyday, normal housewife to pray right next to her. But a housewife baptized in the Holy Spirit praying in tongues. And guess what happened? Put it on the screen for me. All of a sudden, the Japanese bride said to her husband, Listen, this woman speak to me in Japanese. She say to me, You have tried Buddha, and he does you no good. Why don't you try Jesus Christ? She does not speak to me in ordinary Japanese language. She speaks temple Japanese and use my whole Japanese name, which no one in this country knows. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And by the way, the housewife never ever was schooled in Japanese, didn't know one word of Japanese, but she knew how to pray in the Holy Spirit. She knew how to pray in the Holy Spirit. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're a recipient of the miraculous. It's 
power for perfect praying. It's prayer that's always on target. It always hits the bullseye. It's power for self-edification. One of the greatest counseling problems we have today is low self-esteem. But what does the Bible say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit provides? He who speaks in a tongue edifies, encourages himself. I don't know about you, but that sounds great to me. It's also power for holiness. Power to say no to sin and, and, and yes to the things of God. Power to produce the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the character of Christ. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's a greater zeal to let Jesus be Jesus in you. There's power for anointed ministry. Don't you know we need Sunday school teachers baptized in the Holy Spirit? We, 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 we need greeters baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need ushers, choir members, praise singers. Uh, we need people that are ministering in this church that are not operating under their own strength. That they're not calling it a job. It's a ministry. And it needs to be an anointed ministry. Power <laughs> to touch lives. Power to speak on behalf of, of Jesus Christ. Anointed ministry. Power for mountain moving. Power for mountain moving. Every single one of us have mountains. I have come across situations and vicissitudes in my life where praying in English, praying in my mother tongue would not help. It could not directly impact the spiritual warfare that was ensuing and I learned that victory came as I began to speak forth in my prayer language as I began to address the mountains uh, in the language of the Spirit. By the way, what's the language? When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, whose language are you talking? I want you to know that you're speaking God language. Through God language, He created the heavens and the earth. God transacts everything by speaking. So when you're dealing with the forces of hell, when you're dealing with intractable mountains and obstacles, yea, strongholds, speak in the Spirit. Use God's language. Use the same power language that created everything out of non-existence into existence for the glory of God. I'm talking about taking up the Pentecostal mantle. I'm talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. One word sums up uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Power. We can't do God's work without God's power. I ask you, who said, who said, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Who said that? Who said, I will, I will pray with the Spirit. And I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. And I will also sing with the understanding. Who said that? Paul the Apostle. I want to remind you that before Paul was an apostle, he was known as Saul the what? Persecutor. He killed Christians, yet the church was praying the prayer of faith. How many of you have a stubborn soul that you're praying for? You've got a lost son, a lost daughter, a lost loved one, a lost family member, parents, a spouse. And, 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 and they're like a, a stubborn mountain that needs to be moved. They're like Saul the persecutor. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. What happened as the church kept praying? 
Saul, the persecutor who killed Christians, was knocked down. I, I pray, God, knock them down. God won't hurt them. He'll just get their attention. Paul was knocked down. He was born again. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And then he became a missionary. In Acts chapter 16, we find missionary Paul with his co-worker Silas. And they have proclaimed the gospel, but they've been put in jail because of the gospel. They've been beaten and tortured because of the gospel. What are they doing at their midnight hour? Paul, who is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Paul, who said, I will sing in the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. Acts 16.25, at their midnight hour, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. That's what you need to do at your midnight hour. They prayed and they sang praises. I believe that they were singing in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. The prisoners heard them. And what happened as they moved in the Spirit? God sent an earthquake. The jail doors were opened up. Uh, the shackles came off. <laughs> the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and your entire family will be born again. And they were. All made possible by the miracle of Pentecost. All because they took up the mantle of Pentecost. And God wrought a great miracle. What's the greatest sign? We're in the last days. What's the greatest sign? I want you to know the greatest sign is an ISIS. A one world government. One world economy. I want you to know the greatest sign of the last days is not the mark of the beast, 666. As some people are trying to add up so many different people's names. You want to know what the greatest sign is that, that we're in the last days? It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we're experiencing at this time like no other time. Acts chapter 2 verse 17 proves what I'm saying. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. Are we witnessing this? Are we seeing this? Oh yes we are. According to a recent Pew Forum poll, Pentecostals are the fastest growing religious group, approximately one-fourth of the world's two billion Christians. In the United States, 23% of Christians say they are Pentecostals or Charismatics. In a recent major global church growth report in Chile, the country of Chile, the Methodists grew by approximately 5,000 members, while the Pentecostals grew by 2,371,000. In Brazil, Brazil, the Baptists grew to about a million, while the Pentecostals grew to over 21 million. Worldwide, the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church grew to about 1.9 million worldwide. While the assemblies of God surpassed 60 million Pentecostals. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We are seeing around the world an outpouring of the Holy Spirit everywhere except in the United States. What's it going to take to wake our nation up? Will it be another terrorist attack? I don't know. 
But I pray, oh God, give us a suddenly. Give us a revival that will sweep from sea to shining sea here in these United States of America. And it starts with a prayer revival. In the last, in less than a year, my wife and I had the privilege of being in a number of nations, ministering in Albania, ministering in Italy, being in Israel. And I want you to know, God's Spirit is being poured out. Uh, miracles. I don't have the time to share communist generals being born again because of the power of God's Spirit in His church in Albania where they don't even allow crosses to be in the cemetery when they were under communist rule. When I was in Italy, I haven't been in services like that since I was a child at, at camp. I, mean, I came out of the services, literally my body was vibrating. I couldn't stop. The, the presence of God was so strong in a Sunday night service. There was, I mean, it was standing room only. It was unreal. Unreal. Vicki and Jeannie, you know what I'm speaking of. I was amazed by our guides in Israel, Messianic Jews, full, full of the Spirit of God, and so excited about what God is doing in Israel right now. We're not hearing about it in the news. God's Spirit is being poured out in Israel right now, even as I speak. Burkina Faso, Burkina Faso, Africa, Burkina Faso, Africa, less than a third of the 15,000 AG Christians were baptized in the Holy Spirit. One morning, one of the Bible college students in our Bible college that you support in Burkina Faso, one morning, this student by the name of Jacques Dubray had been praying to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he woke up at 2.15 in the morning just bursting forth, singing in the Spirit. They heard him all through the men's dorm room. He was so loud, they began to be so loud, they woke up the entire Bible college as the Holy Spirit began to be poured out for more than 90 days, 24-7. 2,500 people were baptized in the Holy Spirit at the end of that 90 days. 3,500 were one to Jesus Christ. Even Muslims were falling down under the power of God. The missionaries are reporting to us. The Muslims cried out, what is this? And they replied, it's the power of Jesus. But we don't believe in Jesus. They said, do you believe now? The Muslims said, we must or we're going to die in our sins. And they were saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Muslims! 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 We are in a generation of the Spirit like no other since Jesus Christ. If you're a student of church history over the last 2,000 years, you need to understand what's happening. In 1901, there was only one Spirit-filled person on the planet that we know of. Only one documented person. Agnes Osman, who was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues January the 1st, 1901. Today, I'm glad to report to you, there are more than 600 million Spirit-filled Pentecostals around the world. These are the last days. God is pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. 
upon all flesh. Upon all flesh. Pastor Ryan, are you here? Where's Pastor Ryan at? Pastor Ryan, I need help right now if you would. I need you, if you would, Pastor Ryan, to come and bring this Christian flag over here to the center of this altar area as we prepare to close. I saw a movie that many of you have already seen. I saw it for the very first time recently. And there was a certain statement that, that moved my heart. It was a statement said by Colonel Robert G. Shaw. If you know anything about the movie Glory, it emphasizes the first African-American regiment that ever fought for these United States in the Civil War. At the close of the movie, they volunteered to do something no one else wanted to do, attack a Confederate fort. Every single one of them knew by attacking the fort, doing which was called to be impossible, they would all lose their lives. Yet they did it anyway. And at a certain point, just before attacking the fort, Colonel Robert G. Shaw dearly loved this white colonel, dearly loved by the regiment, came walking through the ranks just like a normal soldier, and they were all patting him on the back. And he pointed, he pointed to the man that was carrying our United States flag. He, was, he pointed to the flag bearer. And he said this, if this man should fall, who will lift the flag and carry on? I asked the same question this morning. Madeline Clark, dear sister Clark, would you join your pastor up here? Precious Jesus, a woman of prayer, a woman of Pentecost, would you hold on to that pole? I want to ask the question, as the generation of Elijah will one day go to heaven and the mantle will fall. I ask the question to you, Lakeside Assembly of God, and especially to you young people, if this one should fall, who will lift the flag and carry on? Who? Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Who will carry on?
This is not just some dramatic orchestration. These young people, next week Wednesday, are going to face some terrible mountains. These young people, next week Wednesday, are going to be meeting at the flagpole in the front of their schools. And they're going to meet for prayer before the school day starts. We have a quartet that's coming right now that I believe beautifully illustrates what's about to transpire this morning. Praise the Lord. Precious Jesus. Don, quartet, would you come please? Pastor Ryan, help us with the young people.